Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Community college is often not the path suggested to students who are seen as being successful in school. But why is that the case? Can that be a lost opportunity? In education, it is clear that there is no one-size-fits-all. There are different strategies and approaches needed for different students. Not understanding this causes a lot of challenges and also lost talent and opportunity. To discuss the reasons for a community college education and the important role it plays in lifelong learning and training, I am joined by a leader in post-secondary education. Dom Bureau is the president of Nova Scotia Community College in Halifax, Canada. Don worked with adult learners within colleges and universities, as well as with national and international professional designation granting bodies for more than two decades. His work over the years has allowed him to collaborate with educational institutions in North America, Europe, and Asia to promote the concept of entrepreneurial cultures as a foundation for learning-centered environments and student success. Don works to develop success-based models for both students and staff within post-secondary institutions. Thank you very much, Don, for joining me today. Great to be here, Kinga. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. So to start the conversation, can you please tell me a little bit about the Nova Scotia Community College and what the learning experience looks like? Yeah, no, look, I'd love to. So Nova Scotia Community College is a bit unique in that we are a single college system in the province of Nova Scotia. Many provinces have multiple colleges, Mm -hmm. but uh, down here on the East Coast, um, ourselves, Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland would have a single college system with multiple locations. So our footprint covers the entire province. We're very proud to say that 96% of the population of Nova Scotia lives within a half an hour's drive of an access point to NSCC. So that physical coverage is very important to us. We're a fairly new, a new college, Kinga. We, we, were, we were formally created back in only 1996. We're coming up on our 25-year anniversary. And, and it's also unique because in Nova Scotia, we are blessed. We're blessed with 10 wonderful world-class uh, universities. So in a fairly small province, we are served very well with, a, I think, a great college and a great system of universities. Yeah, now... The experience, I, I think the experience would be described and I often speak to students and it's a very welcoming, it's a very warm experience, which I think is very important to creating a very uh, vibrant learning environment. Our classes, of course, are small, uh, very experiential. And and I, I guess the, the number one piece of feedback that I get usually is just the care and attention that our students feel from the faculty. That close kind of bond that's created, not only are they, are they experts in their field, but they take a deep interest and care to make sure students succeed. Mm, so there's a real community feeling in the learning. That's such a great word. And I'm glad you used it. We always say we take the word community in our name very serious. And that has both an outward and inward perspective. So outward, we want to connect with our communities, work with industry, work with our local politicians to make sure that we're meeting their needs. But look, almost as important, if not more, as, as you noted, inward community, mm-hmm. creating this sense of feeling safe and 
supported and, and inspired to to be the best you can be is a key part of the culture that we have. Yes. That's wonderful. That's really, really nice. So looking at community colleges as an overview of them in general, what do you see as a defining quality of the community college learning experience? I think it's it's in the question that you just asked. It's the learning experience itself. It's that absolute commitment to bringing in the application of skills and knowledge into the learning environment. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think about my own children who attended an SCC, for example, and the feedback I often received from them, which is consistent across the board, is that, you know, Dad, from day one, we were able to apply what we're learning. That just made it so applicable and, and if you will, real. Mm. So I think the the very quick, very applied nature of mm. the work is very important. Number two is the relevancy. I often hear from both industry and our students about the ability for our students through work integrated learning, through experiential learning, they're able to take the learning from the classroom door in and apply it from the classroom door out. And they're able to apply it in real world, meaningful, impactful situations. Two other things that come to mind just quickly. One is we have a saying, we have 2000 employees at our college, Kinga. And we say it takes 2,000 people to graduate one student. And what we mean by that is, regardless of what your business card says is your title, we say it's everyone's responsibility to be on the, on the lookout and, and to be there to help. So, so we'll have our cafeteria staff, we'll have our facilities teams taking courses in adult education. And, and not to replicate the faculty, but mm-hmm. to be cognizant and aware of what students are, are going through. And the last thing I'll say is that we have this this kind of principle, this this kind of underlying value to meet students where they are. Mm-hmm. Now the learning outcomes are consistent. You every student has to meet a certain level of competency to be successful in the program. But we all know that students start that learning journey at different points. Whether it's because of age, whether it's because of uh, experience in school, some of it may not have been so good. So it's incumbent upon us to meet them where they are mm-hmm. on that journey of learning. And how do you do that? Yeah, so there's a number of ways. One is obviously creating very flexible learning journeys. Mm-hmm. So while some students may need to spend more time on, on skill A and less time on skill B, then the system allows that to happen. It allows mm-hmm. for more time and it need to be spent on that. But also there's, there's significant effort trying to help students identify what we call a strong sense of self. Um, who are you? Um, what matters to you? Where do you want to go? And what does that journey in the middle look like? And that journey then gets co-created with their faculty. And that journey could look different for different folks. Now, we don't have, if we have at any one time 11,000 students, we can't have 11,000 absolutely separate journeys. Mm -hmm. But there is a degree of customization, if you will, and allowing students to, again, to pursue a journey from a place that they start that may be unique, and again, to accomplish common outcomes. That's really fantastic. It sounds like you have a very student-centered learning environment and also in terms of having the learning really applied to work. It's almost like a project-based learning experience where they're already working on something that is related to what they're learning. So that's very much interwoven, isn't it? The work and the learning. Absolutely. If you can actually break the barrier down between the learning and the work aspect or the career aspect of their journey, that's when the richness really, really happens. Yeah. 
So what do you think is misunderstood about the community college learning experience by those who see universities as superior options to post in the post-secondary education system? Like, what are they missing? Oh, boy, that's such I a think there's, there's a, I think there's a lot that's missing because they shouldn't be considered that yeah. way, but uh, it's just two very different learning experiences as there are many different types of learning experiences, but it's yeah. addressing that misconception that is still so persuasive mm-hmm. in this, in our society and rather than recognizing the unique aspects of both. So what is misunderstood yeah. about it? Well, boy, again, that, that, that's such a great question. And, and there's so many layers to it. So let's, let's unpack a couple if we can. So <clears throat> one is certainly history. And if you think about the post-secondary kind of environment that, that humankind has been able to access, the, the wonderful universities in the world have been just around so much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for centuries and centuries, going back over a thousand years. So I think there's a certain kind of, of, a, of a historical kind of brand that was developed over all that time that, that kind of implanted in people's minds that that is better known. It's been around for much longer and therefore there's a certain, certain degree of elevation of its, of its worth. So and that's, that's fine. That, that's a valid one. Another one I think is very interesting is to a certain degree, the perception of superiority, if you will, on university versus college, I think is somewhat country dependent. Mm-hmm. There are certain countries in the world where the graduates of both systems are highly valued. If you think of some of the European countries where tradespeople come and they're seen more as an artisan, they're, they're seen as a person who plays such a vital role in the social and economic prosperity mm-hmm. of society. And I think because we are a fairly new country in in many ways, again, centuries old, but in relative terms, a fairly new country. And I I, I therefore think we perhaps have a slightly different kind of view of that that important work to society Mm. that, that college graduates play. So I often ask people a very simple question. I say, imagine in the run of a day, how many interactions that you would have that make your life better? And if they go through the list of individuals, a, a car mechanic, a chef, they've dealt with a police officer and they went on and then that entire list, 99% of that list are people who come through a college education environment and mm-hmm. wow, society simply couldn't operate if it weren't for those, for those graduates. I think another big piece of it too, is that we're beginning to see just a larger cohort of individuals who are pursuing a college education. If you looked at high school graduates years gone by, a much larger percentage chose to go on to university than college. And for all kinds of reasons, we now have a larger proportion um, than we've had before going to college. And what that produces um, are alumni who now become employers, who become parents, and they can tell a different narrative. They've got that mm. firsthand experience in that. So this is not something that I think we can solve overnight. And I don't think it's something that people are trying to be um, disrespectful in, in many ways. It's just a lack of awareness and perhaps a lack of, if you will, emphasis being placed on, on one versus the other. And I'll just finish off by saying, one of the biggest influencers that we have on, on the future of learning of young people are, are high school are, are teachers and principals and guidance counselors. And again, I don't think it's done from a place of malice. It's a place of not understanding the system as well as perhaps the system that they've come through themselves. Yes. 
So when we, when we see um, now uh, high school teachers who've done both, they've experienced a college education, they then articulate to go on to a university degree, they have this, if you will, more wholesome view of the past of post-secondary and that changes the narrative dramatically when we have that, yeah. That's really important and uh, very important to recognize the skills that the different uh, professions that are being educated in college, it takes a lot of skill and maybe we take it for granted sometimes that those individuals are doing a very good job at it, but that takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill and, and that needs to be certainly much more appreciated. And I wonder if also there has been which is being talked about more, uh, a difference in salaries of what university graduates and college mm. graduates make. But that is actually a bit of a myth, isn't it? That uh, that you have a better salary with a university education. <laughs> and I think a lot of young yeah. people may not actually quite realize that that's not the case. Doing what you are enjoying and want to do and, and do a good job at it actually that that is quite leveled out, isn't it? Well, that, that again, great thought. And you know, we spent a lot of time at NSCC thinking about this phenomenon of the fourth industrial revolution. Yes. And if you think about the industrial revolutions in the past, this is one now that I think Canada is going to really be able to kind of maximize and leverage. I think we have the ability in an economy that really brings together the intersectionality of of big data and analytics and, and machine learning and, and robotic. And when those worlds come together, um, they identify a certain level of skills that are very suited to a college type of education, which is rooted in innovative experimentation, very, very, if you will, rooted in problem solving at a, yes. at a, at a very ground, uh, earthy kind of level. And as you say, um, society is placing a higher value on those skills. Higher value monetarily is being placed on those skills. And you're right. We, we have graduates who are earning six figures very shortly after graduation. Mm-hmm. And you expand that beyond, if you will, the traditional trades, if you will. We're training people now to pursue careers in, in the marine sector here on the East Coast. And the marine sector is so diversified now, Kinga. It's, it's not only is it... Is it uh, perhaps marine navigation and being a, a, a ship's captain? It's also, it's also mapping the ocean floor. And, and mm. the truth be told, only 5% of the ocean floor right now is mapped. Mm. It's a tremendous uh, new frontier for all kinds of applications. And college graduates have the expertise to build those radar systems and sonars, do the mapping, analyze the information. And, and with that comes a, a level of recognition, not only in terms of that skill set's valuable, but that skill set needs to be honored through a very, very fair price and, and a fair wage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, and for students also, that I think that example of someone mapping the ocean floor isn't even something that I was thinking about as as, as a career, mm. you know, so there's so many things out there that students can do that they should really explore the different options with interesting career options that they may not even be aware of. Right. That is being offered. Right. That's incumbent upon us. Just just quickly, the, 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 the three-legged stool of education quickly is the, the public school system, and university and college, a very rudimentary kind of model. But so I think it's important that we as post-secondary institutions move into the public schools a bit more just to create that awareness mm-hmm. and to work with high school teachers and guidance counselors to say, 
the the myriad of occupations now are ones that we've just never thought of. Exactly. Um, and it's so exciting. Yeah, mm, that is yeah. really exciting. And so for parents and guidance counselors who usually encourage students who are seen as being successful in school to apply for university. I mean, we just talked about one thing, looking at the many different career options yeah. that some of them are, are to be pursued at college. But what do you think that they should be looking for? Because these students who are seen as a university bound may actually not enjoy the careers that they end up in. Maybe the best choice for them is a career that is going through the college system. So what do you think parents and guidance counselors should be looking for in the students that they're advising so that they are able to give the best guidance mm -hmm. on a college or a university path for their, for their future career? Yeah, so that notion of what they should be looking for, again, I think we need to be available to provide in a very easy way um, intel and information on what colleges actually represent. But look, if you think about a couple of things, if I were a guidance counselor or, or a principal or a teacher and I saw, saw a student who was very academically gifted, our hope was that they would recognize that there are some very academically challenging programs in, mm -hmm. in colleges. That, in other words, that student can be challenged. Exactly. That student can be inspired. Some of our technology programs are very, very intensive programs that require high degree of commitment and learning and, mm -hmm. and study. Again, we will then apply all kinds of real world experience and, and application to that environment. So number one is that just because it has the word college is in no way suggesting, quote unquote, it is easy. Mm -hmm. They are challenging programs that I think will keep a student very kind of motivated and, and inspired. And then secondly, I think what we talked about earlier is it is a, a part of a journey or a pathway that could lead, in many ways does lead, emerging professionals to a very successful and, and happy career. And, you know, I, I, I'm often struck by when I talk to students now, the degree of sophistication that they have, Kinga, in in their life. And, and, and we, I think we often discount or underestimate the ability for a young person to begin to kind of articulate who they are and where they want to go. I know certainly the degree of connectivity they have with the world now is so much more than when I was a young person. So they have a different thought process. And what they want to be able to do in many cases is blend or kind of ladder. They want to bundle educational experiences. And they are aware that maybe I want to go here for a couple of years. I want to go there for a couple of years. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that that is a package and that they want to put together, then we should create ways for that to happen. In fact, and not in any way discourage that or suggest that one could be better than the other. And I have to tell you, we've seen a dramatic change, even in the past 10 years of the openness of both parents and educators to embrace that kind of duality of post-secondary education. And why is that important? It's important because I think, again, in this, this economic transition that we're having in society right now, that has to be blended not only with the application of skills and knowledge, but also needs students to be critical thinkers, to understand a sense of curiosity and a sense of civic engagement. And I think that best is developed this combination of learning experiences. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And building your skills, because really the, the future is all about building skill sets and not necessarily right. preparing for one specific job. So absolutely. being able to pull together the right learning experience for the skill that you want to develop 
in that yeah. portfolio of skills is so important, which, right. you know, lifelong learning and the idea that the future of work is really going to be a continuous learning experience for everyone. It's not you finish high school, you go possibly to post-secondary institution, and then you go to your career that maybe you'll change jobs, but right. essentially you're in the workforce. Really, it's going to be a much more interwoven experience where you have a lot more learning happening throughout mm. your life than has been the case before. So with this in mind, how do you see this evolving and what role will colleges play in the future of lifelong learning? Yeah, so I, I, I wanted to talk about lifelong learning for a second. I think I'll talk about the, um, the college involvement. You know, I, I think now more than ever, the ability to be a true lifelong learner is going to be so, so important. And we have to help our students be conscious about that. And in fact, to embrace it and to fall in love with, with that. And one way of doing that is identifying that people learn differently. And that's okay. So a big part of a college education, not only is learning the skill and applying it, but learning how you learn. And then being able to be selective, and that's okay, mm -hmm. of certain learning opportunities that best suit your your, your learning styles. Yes. Now, it's not to say that you would have to avoid different their learning uh, approach, but that learning style, learning how to learn, I've seen that can be such a, an, a, an aha moment or, or, or a liberating opportunity for students to say, ah, this is how I learn. So that, that's, that's such an important part of it. I think we have to work together to help create that. In terms of how colleges can respond to this notion of lifelong learning, and I think it's all higher education, but let's talk about colleges. It's this notion of being, if you will, much more nimble and responsive and flexible in what it means to pursue a college education. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means timing. Our model is still a bit traditional. Uh, we start classes in September, we go until May, have the summer off. That's changing dramatically. A model where you learn from 8.30 to 4.30, very traditional, that's changing. And then entering into a learning kind of agreement with your, with your institution that it's a one-year, two-year, or three-year program, that's changing. So what we're finding is that the traditional kind of metrics that, that define a learning experience, we're having to quite frankly blow that up. So we have something now, it's a big, big movement is micro-credentialing. So from a micro-credentialing point of view, you would be able to come in, take a particular part of a learning journey and then get recognized for that and be awarded a certain kind of credential for that. So if I was to say anything that post-secondary colleges must do even better is even more meet learners where they are with an increased level of flexibility uh, and nimbleness and being able to accredit and certify that learning from, from happening. You know, the average age of a student in a college environment could be as high as 28 years old. And what we're finding is that individual often has competing interests in their life beyond a, an exam or a midterm or an assignment that's aging parents, a mortgage payment, children. So what we need to do is design our systems that fit that kind of reality. That's the future of post-secondary education. And also not to have to take a chunk, a big chunk of time out of work, being able to learn You've something. And as you were saying with the micro certificates, you yes. are able to then take it and apply it right to your work when you right. need it and then move on. You know, at one time the learner had to come to the learning. Mm -hmm. Now the learning has to go to the learner. <laughs> I like and, that. And, and that's such an important kind of paradigm shift. 
Mm. And what I'm finding too is that really gets faculty kind of excited. You know, they mm. they 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 kind of really enjoy that kind of notion of of even more creating a a learning paradigm that meets the needs of our our learners to help with their success. Yeah. That is wonderful. And in order to do this, of course, there's a lot of reskilling involved and you were saying the micro learning so that people can come out of their work but very quickly go back to it. But what role should the workplace and post-secondary institutions have in supporting the individual? So a lot of the onus of this is on the individual to design their own learning experiences and journeys and mm. bring in the different elements, as you said, creating this portfolio, yeah. which is certainly challenging. And in the future, what do you think the role of the workplace and post-secondary institutions have in supporting individuals through these selections of lifelong learning? Very important role. To me, a role of collaboration and partnership. If I look at the most successful businesses that we work with, they're overcoming a major, major reality right now, which is a human capital shortage, a workforce shortage. If I ask CEOs, what keeps you up at night? The number one answer is, well, I have the human capital that I need to take advantage of this fourth industrial revolution. Will I be able to access that human capital? And what they're realizing is that they're having to become partners in learning. They have to become part of that learning equation. They, they can no longer expect a human resource to show up, be fully, fully capable, and not require any training to keep that level of ability and skill set. At one time, I think some employers were fearful that if they invested in the learning of their employees, the employee may leave and go to a different business. And I heard a local CEO say counter to that so wisely, he said, the only thing worse, he said, than investing in one of your employees and they leave is not investing in your employees and they stay. <laughs> Brilliant. That's good. <laughs> and I thought that was such an eye opener to this kind of mind shift that we have. So, for example, we've been working with our local chamber of commerce to really have their members understand the importance of if human capital shortage is what's keeping you up at night. We need to change the relationship with the employees that you are part of a lifelong learning kind of environment. And that will include both informal and formal learning. And the return on that investment is going to be critical for you to compete in this, this new economy. And you know what? That transition is actually happening right now where we have employers, I see it, recognizing the importance of that partnership. There's a great organization board that I sit on here in Canada called the Business Higher Education Roundtable. It comes from the Business Council of Canada, so it represents the top companies in Canada, of course. And when they were asked, they're asking their CEOs of the Royal Bank and Canadian Tire and IBM Canada, what kept you up at night? Same answer, same answer. Uh, will we have the human capital that we need? And they realized that they had to form a stronger relationship with the post-secondary sector Hence, the roundtable, Business Higher Education Roundtable, where we come together, we sit as partners, as kind of the provider of human capital, and they are the demander, the, the, the using of, of human capital. And together, we co-create models that allow our students, their future employees to commit to and to be encouraged and supported through a journey of lifelong learning. That's what's happening now. And that's what's so exciting. That is really exciting. That's really great. So with individual companies, you look at the needs that they have for their employees and you design a journey for those employees of saying, okay, yeah. you're going to have 
this micro learning and then six months later, we recommend that you do this. And is that the kind of collaboration you have that's bespoke to the company? Right, that's exactly where we're heading with this is an, is an appreciation that the future of work is going to require that kind of collaboration. Mm-hmm. How can we jointly work together with that and take it right back during the, the time that they're in formal learning so that if a student is in formal learning, that they can do their work terms, they can do their co-ops, they can do their applied research applications with industry partners who need it then. And that creates the stickiness. There's a certain stickiness that's created between the student and the employer. So once they then graduate, they move into that employer situation and that employer recognizes the value of lifelong Mm. learning. It's an entire kind of system. That's really great. So when someone is in the college taking a a full degree, they have their co-op placements in companies. But then once they're in the companies, they come back from micro learning and and different type of interventions throughout their career. So it's it's all very much interwoven. That's wonderful. So what do you see and what do you hope for? Well, I mean, we were already talking a little bit about where you see the future of community colleges and secondary and post-secondary institutions. But what do you hope for, for the future of community colleges that mm. isn't happening today? Well, you know, I, I hope two things. One is I hope colleges remain true to being really great colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important that we know the important role that we play in the educational kind of continuum. We're proud of it. Uh, we collaborate. And we, we continue to build kind of that excellent learning experience. So let's, let's be even better mm. at what we do. And then secondly, I hope, and it's been the whole point of this conversation, which I so appreciate, is that the world continues to appreciate, I say the world, you know, our, our, our society, our communities continue to appreciate the incredible, the incredible importance of students who complete a college education and the role that they play in improving the quality of life and the economy for all of us. With that living in the heart and soul of of Canadians, I think we'll be a better, uh, more prosperous country. Mm, Absolutely. That is really, really important. And as we talk about an increasingly complex world, very multidisciplinary, every role is extremely important and every little piece is much more complex than anybody else knows so having people with the deep knowledge and expertise in that coming through different educational paths incredibly important for the whole system to work beautifully together well said well said yeah before we end i would like to ask you if you have a recommendation a reading or something that you think is inspiring and that our listeners might be interested in as well Mm -hmm. Well, look, I, I just read a great book. The book's called Road to Character by David Brooks. And the, and the construct in, in the book, I, I just love. He talks, the very first part of the book, he begins to differentiate between what he calls resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And he says that sometime in our lives, we go through kind of this pivot where we move from focusing on building our resume, that next title, to building what do we want people saying about us on that very dark day when they're reading your eulogy. And the second part is much more about impact. What Mm -hmm. what kind of legacy are you leaving? Mm -hmm. And it's my goal to have, especially young people, being able to kind of maybe make that pivot a bit earlier in life 
and say, you know, why, why are you here? What, what, what are you trying to change in the world? What's the mm-hmm. impact you want to leave? So if anything, it's been a personal journey of mine as I've gotten a bit older and a bit more mature to realize, yes, my career, my, my jobs, my, my positions, my education has been so important. So my resume virtues have been critical to my success. But also, I want to make sure that my eulogy virtues are being paid attention to. So that's something I found very inspirational. That is very inspirational. That's a wonderful thing. And at the end of the day, that's what really makes people happy is to know that they're working towards a purpose that is meaningful to them. Right, right. Exactly. That's wonderful. That sounds like a great book. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Don, for joining me and for talking about this very important topic and shedding more light on what the college system is like and what we should be looking for and where it's going in the futures. I really appreciate that. You're very welcome. And thank and thank you for your work. These types of conversations, these types of podcasts, this type of thinking is so important. So I wish you all the best in your work and thank you for doing it. Oh, thank you very much.